Concealing God's People with your host, Dennis Beard. We're talking about a time of the coming of the Lord, the second advent, if you will, when he comes a second time with that sin and salvation. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 onward. Paul wrote that church at Thessalonica, this first letter. They thought the imminent return of Jesus was any minute, any day. It necessitated a second letter from Paul to the church at Thessalonica to set the things in order so that they would not misunderstand the truth of the word. He states there in the second letter in the first chapter that your faith groweth exceedingly. The charity of every one of you aboundeth one toward another. Brethren, we're bound to thank God for you and all your tribulation and persecutions that you endure. He's talking about a time of sufferings, trials, tribulation, which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Now, judgment must first begin at the house of God. And the righteous scarcely be saved with difficulty. Then where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear if that happens to the church first, the body of Christ? It's a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God that we all might be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which we also suffer. The kingdom age, the millennial, thousand year, we will reign with Christ as kings and priests with the Lord and the earth. There will be one king over all the earth and his name one. No such thing as a trinity. But we're told it's a pre-tribulation rapture. In Amos 9, verse 9, there is a sifting going on among the nations. He's sifting the wheat from the chaff. Why? Well, the same thing that we see in Hebrews 12. And no more will they say, Blessed be the Lord God, which brought up his people out of the land of Egypt. That won't even come into mind. Yea, rather, blessed be the Lord God, which brought up his people out of the land of the north, south, east, and west, whithersoever he had driven them. How? Through tribulation and persecution. Shall there be evil in the city, and I, the Lord God, have not done it? All of these things in the sovereignty of God is ordained of him. For all things and all power is ordained of God. He is the sovereign ruler over all. It's it's over the nations, the basis of sorts. He rules in the kingdoms of men and in the affairs of men. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. But the wicked, the devil takes at will. All of these things work for the glory of God, for the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the witness of Jesus. It's the mortars. And you shall receive power at that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the most parts of the earth. Witnesses there are mortars. Testimony. Witness, mortars. 
sealing your testimony with your own blood. Right? Blessed are they that die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. God said, I know thy works. And he's looking for perfect works that accompany company faith for our salvation. Faith without works is dead. Faith being alone cannot save us. So there in Revelation, the second and third chapter, he says, I know thy works to every church, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I know thy works. Sardis even says, and I have not found them perfect. Ephesus, you've left your first love. All of these, the Lord is looking for perfect works that accompany our faith of salvation. Now, there is a time there that Paul says, now this, all this persecution and tribulation, don't be upset about it. Think it not strange the fiery trial which is to trial you, as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, and that the glory of God resteth upon your head, yet rests upon you through these sufferings, trials, tribulations. Tribulations worketh patience, patience worketh experience, and experience worketh hope. Hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Ghost. Well, we are told that there's a pre-tribulation rapture, which is just not so. We see there in Matthew 24 that he says, let no man deceive you by any means. And uh, that Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21 tells us about the gathering together of the saints of God to the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray that your plight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be a time of great tribulation. Since as never was a nation, no, nor ever shall be again, except those days be shortened, there shall no flesh be saved. He goes on and says, and immediately after the tribulation of those days, not during, not before, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sign of the Son of Man appear in heaven with power and great glory. And he goes, and he will send his angels and gather together his elect. That is not Israel after the flesh. That is the rapture of the church. That is the rapture of the ecclesia, the called out ones, the church, the body of Christ, to be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air immediately after the tribulation of those days, which he references to be the great tribulation. In winter, neither on the Sabbath day, for then shall be a time of great tribulation. But the church and the body of Christ, do we do not want to be that kind of a witness? Mortars for Jesus. That seems a little hard and rash. But yet, blessed be those that write, saith the Spirit, blessed be those that die in the Lord yea, henceforth and forever, that they may rest from their labors and their works do follow them. Now that's yea, saith the Spirit. That's what God said. They may rest from their labors and their works do follow. Rest from their labors, they remain with the rest of the people of God. The Hebrews 4, take heed lest they promise slip any of you. Paul said, lest you come short of entering into his rest. 
He that has entered to the rest of God has ceased from his own labors. And that is the work of this God and of, of the Lord Jesus in the last days when he lays judgment to the lion, righteousness to the plummet, when he does his work, his strange work, and brings to pass his act, his strange act. Why? Because it will surprise the hypocrite. Why will he be surprised? Because it was never taught. It was some easy believism that mortars, witnesses are not mortars. These are not the, the testimony of Jesus of those that seal their testimony with their own blood. And there in the last days, they will see under the fifth, under that fifth seal, souls of them that were slain for the word of God, the testimony which they held. And they cried unto the Lord, O Lord, holy and true. How long will it be before thou avenge your blood upon them that dwell upon the earth? White robes of righteousness were given to each one of them. And it said, in my hearing, until your fellow servants and the, your brethren that should be killed as you were, should be fulfilled. There's more on the earth. We haven't been raptured out yet. There's more on the earth that will die sealing their testimony with their own blood. And many of understanding shall fall to try to purge and to make them white. We see it in Revelation 7. Who are these that come out of the great tribulation that have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb? Um, a number that no man could number. This has been going on for ages. All of the apostles except John were mortared as a witness, sealing their testimony with their own blood. But we're told today that that won't happen to us. Well, we need to talk about Ignatius, Polycarp, Irenaeus, all of these that were mortared there in, uh, in 150, 140, 150, 160 A.D. that literally were mortared for the Word of God, Jesus Christ. We find it all the way up to uh, in the 14th century. We have a Subius, an historian that tells us about the mortars of Christ. If you've ever read the Fox's Book of Mortars, you all understand this has been going on and still going on today in 2021. Those that hold to the faith of Jesus are persecuted, hated in many nations today just by carrying a Bible can have you imprisoned or even put to death. And the Communist China Party, the CCP, North Korea, uh, that is abolished. Christianity is, cannot be there except it's literally authorized by the government and controlled by the government. They just walk down a street with a Bible, could get yourself killed because there is no such thing as religious liberty. Well, here in the United States, we have it, but they're trying to take it away. And we're going to see in Revelation 12, the devil, the old dragon, the serpent, the scorpion, deceiveth, deceiveth the whole world. He deceives the whole world. Not partial of the world, not all the world except the United States, but all the world. It's a matter of time. And Paul's telling them, it's not an imminent thing. There's something that you need to know. 
That's your tribulation, that work of patience, patience, experience, experience that work of hope. He said that your persecution, tribulation, that you endure, they're a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. There's your judgment. Here's the patience and faith of the saints. Those that lead into captivity will go into captivity. Those that kill with the sword will be killed with, killed with the sword. Here is the faith and patience of the saints. There's your faith. Knowing that what's been done unto you, God will render double-fold judgment upon them. And not only that, their souls will be destroyed in hell because of their wicked deeds, which they've ungodly committed. And they will be convinced of all their ungodly deeds, which they've ungodly committed at the coming of the Lord. Jude tells us that. We see in that second letter to the church at Thessalonica that Paul addresses why we suffer, why we have persecution and tribulation, because the flesh, he that suffereth in the flesh has ceased from sin, 1 Peter 4, 1. That's not something you hear preached in the churches simply because it's not a popular message. The flesh is enmity with the spirit, and the spirit of God is enmity with the flesh. So Christ, and those that are Christ, have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. That's the work of the cross. But now we have a crossless Christianity in most every aspect of uh, Protestant churches in the world. It's not taught. And that is that you must crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust, and that literally obeying the will of God, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God that worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. And if we don't do that particular will of God, that each individual member has their own particular part, ministrations and ministries, members in particular in part, to do their own, not all are called to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, or uh, workers of miracles, or governments, or health, but whatever God's called you for, whatever we're all called for, we must do the will of God, or we will hear, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Now, the iniquity is lawlessness. There's a mystery of iniquity. There's a mystery of lawlessness. Lawlessness. Iniquity is where we do not obey the leading of the Holy Ghost. That is against the will of God. We want to do our own will. We think that we know what's best for us, and uh, God, who is our creator that has made us, not we ourselves, doesn't know what's best for us. We have our own will, our own destiny, and therefore, God will accept whatever we do. And that is just a complete lie. It's total, it's total deception. When Jesus stated in Matthew 7, not only saying to me, Lord, Lord, we'll be able to enter in. They were believers in Jesus. They called him the Lord, Jehovah God Almighty. They were not only newborn babies, but little children. They had grown that far, but yet didn't follow on to know the Lord and doing his will. And Jesus said, I never knew you. They'll profess unto Jesus, Lord, we've cast out devils in your name, and we've done many wonderful works in your name. We've prophesied in your name. We've, we've worked in the gifts of the Holy Ghost. And Jesus 
then didn't deny it, but simply said, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. Now, the mystery of iniquity doth already work. We're going to see that in this second letter to Thessalonica that Paul wrote when they thought there was an imminent return of Jesus through the first letter they wrote in 1 Thessalonians 4, 17 onward. True, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. True. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up. There's a rapture. To meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's true. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. The problem was they thought it was imminent. Just any minute now. Thinking that all prophecy had been fulfilled. Not reading the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ, that these things must shortly come to pass. Not reading and keeping the words of the sayings of the book of this prophecy in the revelation of Jesus, just forgetting that. Totally annulling the work of God, the work of the ministry, the work which is a strange work and bring to pass his act is strange act. And noted, it is a strange work. And the hypocrite, the wicked, cannot see it. God said so. It said there in Daniel 12, the righteous shall understand these things, the wise, but the wicked cannot understand these things. What things? The things of faith. Faith is the substance of things so far, the evidence of things not seen in the revelation of Jesus that God gave unto him is just showing to his servants these things which must, must shortly come to pass. That's the things of faith. That's the faith that was once delivered to the saints, which is the testimony of Jesus, the spirit of prophecy. Those that keep the commandments of God love God, for they keep his commandments. The faith of Jesus is the testimony of Jesus which was the faith and is the faith that was once delivered to the saints. So there is a work there. There's a work of the ministry. It's a strange work. God bringing to pass his act is strange act. Don't mock at it. Don't laugh at it. Thinking that you've gone to some seminary and got a doctorate of divinity or, or a PhD in theology and think, you know it. And, you have enough saving faith that uh, you don't have to look at anything else in the Word of God or, or going from glory to glory. You've already got it. Who is blind as a messenger as sent and uh, as deceived as my messenger? Well, we have to understand that we're pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, and we'll be into them that are at ease in Zion, thinking you've got it made. Any man thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. For our love goes before a fall, haughtiness before destruction. We need to give the more earnest heed to the word of God, this more sure word of prophecy. When we take a look at that second letter that Paul wrote to Thessalonica, and we'll focus in on this mystery of iniquity. Iniquity is lawlessness. And Jesus said, you workers of iniquity, depart from me. I never knew you, for you did not do the will of God. It's given to every man the measure of faith. Whatever God's called you to do, he's given you the faith to do it. That's not general faith of the word of God. For faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We're talking about individual will of God. 
That's where you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For God worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. That's for you as a member in particular to find the will of God and do it. Most have never sought God for the particular will of God in their life. They think, well, I'm saved. The pastor told me I am or the denomination I'm in says I am. I joined the church, shook the preacher's hand, said the sinner's prayer, and we think we're saved, but not according to the word of God. So many will say we're not going to have any trouble or tribulation. That's what Babylon says. I said a queen, I am no widow. I will see no sorrow. I will have no tribulation. I'll have no birth pangs. And God says, in Amos 9, verse 10, I will destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword, which save. No evil shall prevent nor overtake us. The evil there is tribulation. It's raw. And it means that we're going to have a time of persecution and tribulation. Anybody says that will not make it. Amos 9, 10. We know that tribulation works with patience. We know that we have to have a cross in our life to crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust. Even Paul, who wrote 14 books of the New Testament, said, I keep under my body, I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become a castaway. My goodness. I thought it was once saved, always saved. Why, why be so circumspect and diligently seeking God? Well, simply because we have to press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if you be any otherwise minded, God will reveal this even unto you. Paul said to the church at Philippi. And he said, I wasn't perfect yet, and I'm not perfect yet, neither have I already attained. But I'm reaching forth to those things which are before those things in the revelation of Jesus that God gives us in Revelation 1, verse 1, I'm reaching forth of those things. That faith that was once delivered to the saints, I'm reaching forth of those things which are before, forgetting the things which are behind. I don't want the old wine. I'm, I'm, not, forgetting, I'm not saying it's not true. I'm leaving, therefore, the first principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on to perfection. Not laying again the foundation of faith toward God, repentance from dead works, the doctrine of baptism, laying on the hands, and the resurrection and eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Let us go on unto perfection. But that's where we've dropped it. We've dropped the leading of the Holy Ghost, which is called iniquity, thinking that, well, we already have attained. We've attained this like precious faith and we don't need anything else. Well, we're complete in the Lord Jesus Christ, but we have to enter into and finally unto perfection to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ unto a perfect man into the likeness of the Son of God. That's what we're called for. He says there, whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Not something less than that. That he might bring many sons unto glory. The first, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
And those that he did predestinate, them he called. Them that he called, he justified. Them that he justified, he also glorified. We've got to go on from calling to justification, sanctification, and ultimate glorification to the image of Jesus Christ. Paul said it again in 2 Corinthians 3. The Lord is that spirit. Jesus is that spirit. He has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. There in that Pentecostal reign, we, we see through a glass darkly, but now we're supposed to see clearly, face to face, what's coming up here in the last season of God. Before the second advent of the Lord Jesus Christ, we come unto perfection. He said, God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of ourselves. The Lord is that spirit. You have to know that Jesus is the God of glory. He is the Father, the Word. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the Father revealed. The Lord is that spirit. Jesus is the Lord who is that spirit. Not a spirit man, the spirit. Capital S-P-I-R-I-T. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. We all with open face now, not just seeing through a glass darkly. We all with open face beholding as in a glass. Not dimly, but holding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, full glory, are changed into the same image. From glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord, into that glorious image of Jesus. We have to understand that nothing less is going. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints. Not where there's still a carnal mind in the church, whether it be uh, envy, strife, hate, malice. Divisions in the body of Christ, are you still not yet carnal? To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Carnally minded is death? Yes, death. Even though you have the Holy Ghost, if we don't obey it, that's iniquity. Iniquity is lawlessness, not leading not following the leading of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is given to them that obey him. Somebody said, I didn't know we had to obey. Well, look at Romans 6, those that have the Holy Ghost. He said, whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him are you the servants to whom you obey. Of sin and the death? Wait a minute, I've got the Holy Ghost. Yes, but if you don't obey it, to him the north to do good and doeth and not to him, it's sin. And sin brings forth death or of obedience unto righteousness. And that is unto holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Grace reigns through righteousness. Grace is not just alone unmerited the favor of God and anything you do, all's going to heaven. No. Grace reigns through something. Sin reigns by death. Grace reigns through righteousness. Romans 5. Through righteousness? Yes. God working in you, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. We're made the righteousness of God in Christ. He who knew, knew no sin became sin for us, the propitiation, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Made, that is, yes, sanctification. Sanctified, holy, both spirit, soul, and body to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ, not something less. He's coming back for a glorious church without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle. Perfect in all of our ways, the bride has made herself ready. The church, the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the called out ones. Paul goes on and says, Now, I don't want you to be deceived. I don't want you to be upset about 
the, this coming of the Lord, this coming of Christ and the day of Christ, and are gathering together unto him, the rapture. I don't want you to be upset. I want you to understand perfectly well about this rapture that we're going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. Second Thessalonians 2, he addresses it and exactly what's going to happen. You can't miss it. And he says, concerning, let no man let be troubled. You know, by letter as from us, that's that letter I wrote you, that first letter that I wrote you. You got all upset, think of the Lord's coming any day. Well, I remember in 1988. 88 reasons for the Lord was coming in 88 in Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets. People were you know, charging up their charge cards and thinking, well, why not? Because the Lord's coming, we don't have to worry about paying our bills. And, and uh, many churches awaited that entire night for the coming of the Lord in 1988 in the Rosh Hashanah. The Feast of Trumpets and the Tabernacles, the Season of Tabernacles, thinking that was the coming of the Lord for this generation shall not pass away until all these things be fulfilled. Thinking this generation, not the Christ generation, but the generation of May the 14th in 1948 where Israel's made a nation. So 40 years from that being a generation of 48, be 88. And they bought into that lie, that 88 reasons why the Lord was coming in 88. And of course, he didn't come. And many, many, many believers' faith was overturned there because they did not understand and many false prophets telling them that this was so and was going to happen. You saw the same thing again in Y2K. Computers are going to fail. Everything is going to be bad. Store up food. Um, store up water. <laughs> and, of course, that didn't happen. But all this sensationalism, instead of just believing God and being at peace with the Lord, that he knows what he's doing and that he is an ever-present help in the time of trouble. He's taken closer than a brother. He's with you until the end of the world, amen. Not the end of the world less seven years, but to the end of the world, the end of this eon, this age. Not seven years before it, where you're in a marriage, suffer the lamb for seven years, and, and these ones left behind and missed the rapture, a pre-tribulation rapture, uh, are going to be beheaded, but uh, that's okay. You're in heaven, and you're sitting up there eating and drinking and uh, having a good old time while the these others down here are suffering unto death. And what a joke. Uh, we have no idea that we think that there is a way that we, the body of Christ, will not literally come to that point where the old Antichrist, the devil, the serpent, the scorpion, the devil himself will prevail against the saints for 42 months. And prevail against them. Cast truth to the ground. Not destroy truth, but cast it to the ground. The blood of the saints and the prophets will be found in this, this mystery of Babylon the Great, the mother of hearts, the abomination of the earth. But we say, oh no, not us. Paul was beheaded there in Beasiensis, but not us. All the other apostles died. Mortar's death, witnesses for the testimony of Jesus, sealing their testimony with their own blood, but not us. 
We don't understand that the blood of the saints is a seedbed of the church. A man believes something, he'll believe it unto death. Many soldiers die for their country, for liberty, and they've shed their blood for peace in the nation. But in religion, for the Lord Jesus Christ, in the testimony of Jesus, well, no, no, we're not going to suffer. God's not going to beat his bride. Beat his bride? Oh, my. He is an ever-present heaven in the time of trouble. He said there that, right, blessed be they that die in the Lord. Henceforth and forever saith the Spirit. Why? That they may rest from their labors. Their works do follow them. You see in Hebrews 11, these died, having never received the promise. Women receiving their dead, their babies back from the dead, uh, not accepting deliverance. Why? They could have been delivered. They did not. went ahead and died. Not accepting deliverance, rotting for themselves or making for themselves a better resurrection. Why? Sealing their testimony with their own blood. A mortar's crown. But that's something we shy away from, especially in Christianity, because we have bought into this prosperity gospel, that money and all this, and we put our, our faith in bank accounts, 401ks and pension profit sharing plans and real estate and trust and, and property and, and cash and whatever we have in a monetary sense. A man's life does not consist of the things which he possesses, Jesus said. You cannot serve God and mammon. So there will be a time, a time there that will be when the old dragon, the serpent, the scorpion, the devil will come against the woman and the remnant of her seed that keeps the commandments of God, those that love God, not Israel after the flesh, and those that have the testimony of Jesus, the body of Christ. And your flight will be in the winter on the Sabbath they went because that, he said, don't pray that your flight Pray not that your flight be done in the winter and on the Sabbath day. Why? Well, there's righteous man perishes, a godly man ceases. For what reason? For none considering he's taken from the evil which is to come. He's already come unto crucifying the flesh with the affection of the lust. And the Lord says, come on home. Translate, just like, just like God did with Enoch. 65 years of age, he begat Methuselah. After he dies, it shall be seen. And then he lived another 300 years. 300 is the number of the man child caught up to God into his throne. Enoch, the seventh from Adam, and then we have the Feast of Sevens. There in the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Sevens, the Feast of Prophecy, the Feast of All Feasts, 300 years. And that is the days of Noah, 300 cubits long, the ark, which the ark of Noah, the ark of the testimony, the testimony of Jesus, 300 cubits long, 30 cubits high, and 50 cubits wide, which speaks of the testimony there that we have entered into the priest chambers, hide yourselves a little while, enter into your chambers until the indignation be overpassed and my anger in and their destruction. That is not a rapture. That is something we prepared in the sealing of the word of God. We're still here, but we need the sealing. We need apocalyptic sealing of Revelation 7 because under the fifth trumpet in Revelation 9, 
There will be a key given to the bottomless pit, and Apollyon of Abaddon will come out, which is the destroyer. And they have hair like women and, and tails like uh, scorpions, and they will strike men and torment them for five months, just as it was in the days of Noah. Five months are the waters prevailed upon the earth. 150 days or five months, the same. But only hurt those that have not the seal of God in their foreheads. You've got to have, we've got to have in the body of Christ, the sealing of God's saints, the servants of God in their forehead. And that that is through belief of the truth. If we miss the mark, I promise, slip us, we will come short of entering into that rest, Hebrews 4. Now, this is a very solemn admonishing from the Lord. Take heed that no man deceive you by any means. And he goes on and says, for that day will not come. Paul talking in 2 Thessalonians 2, that day will not come. The day of Christ are gathered together to him. The rapture, if you will. That day will not come until there come a falling away first. Well, what falling away? Well, the falling away from the faith. We have that in 1 Timothy 4.1. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith. Why? Because giving heed to these seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, having their conscience sealed with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, abstaining from meats, which God has sanctified by the word of God in prayer. There's always been tribulation and persecution against the word to those that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's going to accelerate. It's going to epoch. It's going to be evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse. We're in the last days, perilous times coming. Men shall be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Hey, I mind the truth breakers. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. It's today. In my generation, if I talked back to my parents and said no, well, I knew that I was going to get a good whipping. I wouldn't be beaten, but I'd be whipped. I knew that. So we honored the father and the mother that our days be long upon the earth. And that's a promise there that God has given that your days may be long upon the earth. And we see the judgments of God against the disobedient. We see 42 she bears coming out of the wood, uh, two she bears coming out of the wood and destroying 42 children that go up to Elisha, go up thou bald head, go up thou bald head, mocking the man of God. We find that uh, the child that disobeys the parents and rebellious after being chastened many times, just like God does with us. He to be often proof, step in his neck, hardens his heart, should be cut off, and that without remedy. Somebody said, well, that's no love of God. Yes, it is. He chastened. He that be often reproved many times, be times. Stiffens his neck, hardens his heart, won't listen to God. Judgments have come there to get us back in the right way, the chasing rod of God, and we don't listen even to the body of Christ. God said, come and let us return to the Lord, for he's torn, he has healing, he will heal us, he has smitten, he has smitten us, he will bind us up. Why is he doing it? He's chastening or whipping all those that he loves that we will not be condemned by the world to get us into the true, real gospel of Jesus Christ, the true word. He's doing it now. We've had Ebola. We've had AIDS. We've had uh, COVID-19. When there's more coming. Are we fearful of it? No. 
But we also know that this has been going on for years and God has been using a chastening rod for our good that we will not perish with the world. Then no man likes it, of course not. No, chastening seemed to be pleasurable, but afterward, it yields us peaceful fruits of righteousness to them that are exercised thereby. Well, it's just that's uh, what God does to get us to turn to the truth, and we're not doing it. We still run around with a Trinity God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, which there's no such thing. There is only one God. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the Father revealed, as he said in John 10, 30, uh, John 8, 24, I accept you believe that I am, the, I am he, the Father, you'll die in your sins. This they understood not, he spake to them of the Father. They don't understand it today because we've been told a lie. These ecumenical councils there and these synods called, told to be the truth came up with a trinity doctrine, God in three persons. And there's no such thing as only one person of God, that invisible spirit revealed in a body of flesh and blood, God manifest in the flesh, Emmanuel, God with us. He is the wonderful counselor, uh, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Jesus Christ is that everlasting father. He always has been and always will be. So there is, even with the body of Christ that has been born of the water and the spirit, baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, born of the water, and received the Holy Ghost, born of the spirit, and have come to the revelation that he is the father. You've known the father. You've gone from little babies to little children, the newborn babes that desire and sincere milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Then they grow to little children. I write to you little children because you've known the father. Jesus said, you don't know me. You don't know the father. These little children know the father. They know that Jesus is the father of glory, but they're little children. They're not full grown. And, uh, then he says, I write to you first, John 2, 12 through 14. I write to you, young men, because the word of God is strong in you, and you've overcome the wicked one. The word of God is strong in you. Yes, you have read it. You didn't take it from just the preachers, and you were the ones that were real, were more, more noble, the ones in Thessalonica, because they searched the scriptures daily to see if the things Paul preached were so. They received the word of God with all readiness of mind, but they sought. They sought God the scriptures daily to see if the things Paul preaching was so, and they were. But we don't do that now. We just take whatever the pastor says, and that's it. Or the bishop, or the prophet, or the apostle, whatever the case is. Pastor said this, that's what I believe. And we're talking about your immortal, everlasting judgment, whether or not we obey God or we don't. We're talking about the consequences there are eternal. So it would, we should give the more earnest heed to these things which you've heard in the sure word of prophecy. We need to check these things in the word of God, but there's dust on the Bible. Many people know more about who's playing a basketball, football, or a soccer game and who's the stars than they do about who are the examples for us and the disciples of Jesus Christ and the Lord himself for that matter, the Savior of the world. And that is the reason why we're in the shape we're in, and God is working a work, a strange work, bring to pass his act, a strange act. Now, what is this mystery of iniquity? It's lawlessness. We're not obeying God. And that is, we're not obeying the measure of faith that was given to us. And faith, 
must be obeyed through the works that accompany salvation. Faith, can faith alone save you? No. James says, no, it cannot. And we're not talking about the works of the law. We're not talking about establishing your own righteousness, which is of the law, because of the works of the law, no flesh shall be saved. But just as Paul said, said, I've suffered the loss of all things and new count of a dung, that I might win Christ, not be found having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. The law's not going to save anyone. But the righteousness of God by faith and of righteousness of God is obedience unto righteousness requires the leading of the Holy Ghost and obedience to it. The Holy Ghost given to them that obey him, as the word of God says and states. So the mystery of iniquity is the mystery of lawlessness. It's the flesh. Therefore, Paul said, in my flesh, even though he has the Holy Ghost, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, and only God is good. There dwelleth no good thing. That which I would do, I don't do. That's in the flesh. And that which I would not do, that I do. Therefore, I find in, in my members, and there's a law, a law of sin. That law of sin and death works in the members. So what do you do? You crucify the flesh with affection. Who would deliver me for the body of this death? I thank God through Christ Jesus, my Lord. For those who walk, walk after the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, who will not fulfill the law of the flesh. It's just that simple. And iniquity is lawlessness, letting flesh rule, not crucifying it with the lust and with the affections of that flesh. So we pray with our supplication and prayers unto God to align our will, our volition, with that of the Spirit to do the will of God rather than to go with the deeds of the flesh. Just as Jesus said on the in Gethsemane, talking to his disciples, what could you not pray one hour with me? Pray that you enter not into temptation. Delivers from, delivers from evil and temptation. How? Through prayer. Praying to God. And with making your all your requests and supplications made known unto God. To align your will, our will, with the will of God. But that align our will means we're not here. The word, we're a doer of it. What the Holy Ghost says, this is the way you walk in it. We obey that. We do it. But that's what Paul is saying here in 2 Thessalonians 2. Oh, many shall depart. Not all, but said some shall depart from the faith. We see that in First Timothy 4. There will be a falling away first. Then the man of sin will be revealed. There's no rapture yet. The son of perdition. He says over there in First Timothy 4, 1, the spirit speaketh expressly. No doubt about it. Without controversy, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith. They'll give heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. We're warned of that. We're admonished to walk, to, to be careful to obtain good works. But that's not taught. Christ is not taught. Christ is the Father. Christ is that Spirit who made himself a body of flesh and blood. That's not taught. Christ is the Spirit that made himself a body of flesh and blood. Christ the Spirit is Christ the man. Christ the Son of God is Christ the Father, the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. And that has not been taught in the churches. And the doctrine of Christ 
is the foundation for the church. Upon this rock, I'll build my church. And that's the reason why we have iniquity. Even though we say we're born again, we have to obey obedience unto righteousness, Romans 6. Now, what is this? What is this mystery of iniquity that doth already work? Paul states here, he said, I want you to know there's going to be a falling away first, the man of sin, the son of perdition with him will then be revealed who opposeth all that is God or that is worship so that he as God, a capital G-O-D, setteth in the temple of God, that's not an iron, that is a naos, the temple of God, which body we are. That's the reason you find in Pergamos, that's where Satan's seed is, where he dwells. Not on the back pew of the church, not on the front pew, but behind the pulpits. <laughs> it's standing in the holy place where it ought not. Now, that's another subject in itself, but it is happening today. Said in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, remember you not? Paul said, I was with you, I told you these things. Either the things of faith, I told you these things. Faith is the substance of things so far. The revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave in him to show show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. That Jesus said, I have many things to tell you, disciples. You're not able to bear them now. But when the comfort of the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to speak of me for all the Father's given, given to me, and he will show you things that that will come to pass. That's not the rapture in Revelation 4.1. There's the door open in heaven. And a voice of a trumpet talking with John saying, come up hither. Somebody said, well, that's a rapture. No, it's not. It's a higher level of glory. Why? And I will show you things that will come to pass hereafter. That's the revelation of Jesus. I'll show you things. Revelation 4.1. Not a rapture. The Holy Ghost is with you. Jesus is with you until the end of the world. Not seven years before the end of the world. To the end of the world. Matthew 28, 19. He's there always with you in ever-present help in the time of trouble, even through the great tribulation. He said, I'll give you two wings of an eagle, Revelation 12, to the woman, to the church, where she flieth into the wilderness, where she hath a place prepared of God. God said, I'll be a little sanctuary to you. I'm not going to leave you nor forsake you. He said, and there, where you have a place prepared of God, where you're nourished from the face of the serpent, this, this, these lying spirits, signs, miracles, and lying wonders, that if it were possible, it was to save the very elect. But he said, I'll, I will keep you nourished from the face of that serpent. There's a face of God is shown forth. There's during the face of Jesus Christ. That's the true God. But there is another one of lying signs, uh, signs, miracles, and lying wonders. That's a face, and it comes on Satan himself as, a, as an angel of light. Ministers also come to themselves as light. You have to understand that uh, he has two, this, this devil has two horns as a lamb, but he spake as a dragon. We've got to know the word. We have to know the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, the voice of the Son of God. My sheep know my voice, a stranger they will not follow. Well, this is the time we're going to be tested that those that really love God and the ones that are hypocrites, and this will surprise a hypocrite. They didn't know that this was going to happen. 
They didn't understand it. Only the wise shall understand. The wicked cannot understand these things, these things of faith and the revelation of Jesus. Neither will they be sealed. Are they in church? They're, they're sitting in church. But the tares are sitting along with the wheat. Well, he says here, I want you to know, he said, now, there is a time that the man of sin, the son of perdition, will be revealed. Who opposes all that is God or that is worship, so that he as God, so he's coming against not only Christianity, but Muslim, Buddhism, everything that is called God. Why? Because every force of civil government will resist him. He deceiveth the whole world. And he will cause all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark, the mark of him, the mark of this man, the mark of the beast, which is a false Jesus, a false Savior, a key stigma. Jesus Christ has not come in the flesh. He will claim himself to be God. And the only thing that resists him, he said, for that mystery of iniquity doth already work. That mystery of lawlessness, succumbing to that of the flesh, that's iniquity. Not after God, but after what we think God is, a perception of God, but not according to the word of way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Not clinging to the word of God, to the sword of the spirit, but to our own understanding, to what seems right to us. And that, we find will be death. And he says, there, that man of sin, that son of perdition, who opposes all that is God or that is worship, so that he as God, setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The world will wonder after the beast. Who's able to make war with him? He will practice and prosper he will forecast his devices and prosper. He will divide the prey among the, the spoil among the nations. They will love him. By peace, he will destroy many and he'll cleave to those with flatteries and he'll have indignation against the holy covenant, which Jesus is that covenant, the holy covenant of God. Well, Paul said, remember you not when I was with you, I told you these things. These things of faith, I want you to understand. The coming of the Lord, the rapture, are gathered together to him. It's not going to happen until all these things are coming to pass. And there's going to be a falling away first. Those that were in God are going to fall into, not all, but they're going to follow these seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. They're going to fall. Fall of grace, Hebrews 6. They're going to be those that's this. Uh, there's, these nations will be against him. Civil governments will be against this son of perdition, man of sin. He deceives all the world. And that's the reason why you see in Daniel 11, the king of the north and the south, the shift of Kittim shall come against him. Who? Asher, Numbers 24, 24. Asher comes forth, Assyria, the northern army. With a small people, he obtains the kingdom by flatteries. I'm talking about the last day Antichrist, son of perdition. The Antichrist there, getting his authority from the devil, his seat and great authority from the dragon himself. And that northern army, he's fighting 
There were many, many tried to establish a vision and will fail. Hitler was one of them. Adolf, Adolf Hitler tried to establish. He failed. He was after the sword of Longinus and, and thought that whoever had the sword, uh, that spear that pierced Jesus' side, would rule the world. He was into prognostication, third right, and all this uh, necromancers and prognosticators and soothsayers. And you saw, the, you saw his end. But it was a great evil and a, an atrocity and a genocide against six million Jews. And there, we see not only in the last days will it be against the Israel, the people of God, a nation there, but against also all that is called God or that is worship, against every religion on the face of this earth. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. They sell us, that's the Holy Ghost. No, it's not. He's with us until the end of the world. Amen. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. Matthew 28, 19. I'm with you always until the end of the world. Amen. We're not caught out there in a rapture seven years before the end of the world. Whoever has an ear to hear, let him hear. He said, only he can let it or will restrain it or push it back, hold it back until he be taken out of the way. What is that? That's the civil government. That's not the Holy Ghost. No nation is going to say, okay, hey, you can have the nation. You can have our nation here. You can have Russia. You can have China. You can have the United States. No nation is going to do that. That is the restraining force. It's the civil governments, and all government is of God. In his sovereignty, he sets over the nations the basis of sword, whosoever he will. He rules in the affairs of men. That's the sovereignty of God. He said, I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal, I do all these things. God said, Deuteronomy 32, shall there be evil in the city and I, the Lord God, have not done it? I wound, I heal. I cause it to rain on city and not on another. And still they would not repent and turn to me. God said in Hosea 6, come and return unto me, the true God, eternal life. Come and let us return to the Lord for he has torn, not the devil, he has, and he will heal us. He has smitten, and he will bind us up. After the second day, he will revive us in the third day. We're in the third day now, 3,000 year, 2021. In the third day, he will raise us up, and we will live in his sight, face to face, not seen through a glass darkly as in a Pentecostal rain, in a Pentecostal season, but in face to face fullness, then we'll know even as we're known of him. Coming to the measure, the stature, the fullness of Christ. The heavens open to the body of Christ in a last three and a half year, 42 month, 1,203 score days, reign of Jesus Christ in and through the body of Christ. The gospel of the kingdom being preached into all the world for a witness of all nations. How long? Four time, times and a half, three and a half years, 42 months. That's in Revelation 10, Revelation 11, Revelation 12. We can't miss that. It's as plain as it is written in the Word of God. Not once, but in many witnesses of it. Then he goes on and says, Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked one be revealed. Then shall be revealed. Everyone will know it then. He'll cause all 
to receive a mark. Both free and bonds, uh, small and great, uh, rich and poor, to receive a mark in their forehead or in their right hand. And that will require all, everyone, throughout the world, a literally deceiving the whole world. And all the world, not part of it, but all the world will wonder after the beast, all whose names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We still have the, the body of Christ, the church of the living God, set there as a testimony there in the earth. A time that darkness will cover all the people, Isaiah 60. A time of gross darkness, Joel 1 and Joel 2, covering the people. Then he said, I will arise and I will be a light upon you when I'm glorified in you. There's a time that he will give power unto his two witnesses. That is in those two witnesses, which are the two olive trees, which are the living Zoe, the living creatures, the church of the living God. There in the two olive trees, which are the cherubim of glory, which are the cherries of God. And we'll go into that in detail later. What we want to see now and we're addressing is only he who now letteth will let until he be taken away. It's civil government. It's not the Holy Ghost. No government is going to slay down and say, here, Antichrist, take it over. You can have it. He's going to obtain the kingdom with the small people, but flatteries. And, and that is, and he's going to have and deceive many people with signs, miracles, and lying wonders. And God himself will be the one sending strong delusion. Just as Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 4, Lord, it is as if you have deceived this people. Not that you did, but it says if you did, saying peace, and behold, the sword reaches unto the soul. And Jesus said himself, you think that I come to send peace on the earth, but rather a sword to set a man at variance. The father against his son, a mother against a daughter, the mother-in-law against a daughter-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. That means they will want to be against everybody. They'll be turning each other in, right and left. You didn't do this, turn them in. Why? Because of fear. Who's able to make war against the beast? Who can stand against him? Arms shall stand on his part. He'll pollute the sanctuary of strength with a dead body of the saints and prophets found in her. This is the true word of God. Somebody said, well, don't bring it to my church. It'll scare the people half to death. The fear of God's the beginning of wisdom. We need to know the truth. We have enough lying that the money in the bank is going to save you. Lies. Hypocrisy of it all. But this work, the work that God's doing, this strange work and bring to pass this act, this strange act, has surprised the hypocrite. This overflowing scourge, this overflowing scourge has has over then overflown the hiding place. No place to hide now. No matter what you do or run, out of him that will run it, only God to show of mercy. This is the work that God will do in the last days. We're not appointed to the wrath of God. It's not wrath. It is and goes on. Isaiah 28 tells us. We're appointed to the rod and the staff. The coming is beaten out with the rod and the coming the appointed barley with the staff. Bread corn is bruised. We're that, we're that harvest of God. 
He will not ever be turning the wheel of the cart or the horseman up on it. We're not appointed to the wrath of God. The wheel of the cart is the wrath of God. This is excellent excellent in counsel and wonderful in working. God knows what he's doing. We're beaten out with a rod and a staff there that we will not be condemned with the world. How be it? The wicked will literally, the ones that have worshipped the beast in them and received the mark and the number of his name and the, and the image of that beast will be destroyed and in everlasting hell fire and brimstone forever and ever where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. The governments of God are everything not only in the celestial but in the terrestrial down here. God has his way. He's sovereign in all things. All governments that be there, even in the days when Paul, Peter, John, and all them had Roman persecution, the Roman government against uh, the body of Christ. Not only those of the Jews in the different synagogues that many turned to the Lord, but the others that didn't. And of course, the, uh, the natural olive branches were broken off at uh, the wild olive branches the Gentiles could be grafted in. All this going on in the Roman government being the force against and many Christians dying. Even though that was so in that day, the question was, do you obey these authorities? Do you obey these civil governments, these magistrates? The answer is yes, you do. We see that in Romans 13. We, re- we read it now, and it says very simply, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. We're not talking about heavenly. We're talking about governments of men. For there is no power but of God. He's saying in the civil magistrates, kings, nobles, presidents of nations, governors, all of these are ordained of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. That is the restraining force, civil governments that God has placed here. Not the Holy Ghost, not the Holy, the Spirit of God, Christ in you, the hope of glory, because we're still here. And we will be here until the end in Revelation 19, where the spirits of just men made perfect, and the horses there will come, with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, and the Lord Jesus himself will come with 10,000 of his saints. Some of that, those spirits made perfect in Hebrews 12, that will be joined to their bodies. Somebody said they're already there. No, they're not. They're spirits of just men made perfect, but they will be a resurrection from the dead. The dead bodies, those skin worms eat this body, yet in my flesh I will see God, Job said. There will be a resurrection of the dead and the dead in Christ will rise first and they will be joined with the spirit spirits of just men made perfect and then we which are alive and remain will be caught up together to meet them in the air they will not go back to heaven 
They will come right on down in the day of the Lord, uh, and the body of Christ uh, will render the vengeance written to bind their kings and chains their nobles and fetters of arms to, to render the vengeance uh, up on the wicked. This honor have all the saints. Psalm 149. You are my instruments of judgment. You are my battle axe. That is the body of Christ. Now, the force that is restraining. And this podcast is focusing upon that the civil governments, not the Holy Ghost, not a pre-trib rapture. It's the civil governments of man that restrains the Santa Christ from taking the governments and deceiving the whole world until that civil government, the government of God, is taken out of the way. Then that wicked will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the brightness of the coming, with a with the sword out of his mouth and the brightness of the coming of the Lord and the sword out of his mouth. And he says there the Lord himself will send strong delusion. This is coming from God because the ones had pleasure in unrighteousness. They did not want to give this work to God. No, no, this is not God. This is not he. This is not the word of God. They'll come against it. They belied the Lord, saying it is not he when it is. God said, you thought I was altogether one like you, but in that day, I will rise and I will reprove you, saith the Lord. It's very serious. If we either stand in truth all the way and one promise can count us unworthy, Paul said so in Hebrews 4. Jesus said it in Matthew 7, not all the saying to me, Lord, Lord, will be able to enter in. I never knew you, you that work iniquity. That mystery of iniquity that doth already work, that lawlessness in, the, in that what seems right to a flesh of a man. He said there, at that point, only he who now lets resist, will resist, will let until he be taken out of the way at civil governments. And he says, he's telling us that these governments must be obeyed. The law of the land, unless we ought to obey God rather than man, if it violates the law of God, then we have to make a choice. If it violates the law of God, if it is against God's laws, then we are to obey God rather than man. But in a civil government of rule, even though they are the basis of sorts ruling the nations, it says, we are to obey and be subject to these higher powers, to magistrates, to governors, and even servants to be subjected to your own masters and your workforce. It goes all the way down to the workers on your daily jobs. It's said in the government of God. And he goes on and says, and it says those that resist the ordinance of God, a very strong admonishing here, and they that resist it shall receive to themselves damnation. Oh, my goodness. We speak evil of dignitaries. Peter says, and this is, brings us swift destruction. He goes and said, for rulers, not in the heavenly, but in the earthly realm, 
are not a terror to good works, to good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? It's ordained of God. Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is a minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. Well, we're trying to defend the, defund the police department. These are ministers of God. And if you resist the power, somebody say, well, it doesn't really make any difference. I can, I can uh, uh, revile the police, scream at them and holler and, and uh, do everything and hate them. You resist the power, the word of God says, uh, you resist that, that, that ordinance of that power, you do that. You bring upon yourself damnation. Now, that's a strong judgment, but it's the government of God. They're ordained of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. And even, Paul said it that back then in the Roman government that literally persecuted, killed. We had uh, Caesar Neron. We have uh, the various... Uh, Caligula, the ones that have killed the saints of God. They even were to obey them, Paul said. That was a hard thing for some to swallow. But it's the ordinances of God. Smite you on one cheek, turn him to the other also. Do not resist the evil. For he is the minister of God of revenger to execute wrath upon them that does evil. Wherefore, you must needs be subject not only for wrath, but also for conscience sake. That's the spirit, knowing that is the right thing to do, conscience. For this cause, pay you tribute also, pay your taxes. Even Jesus did. He said, is it lawful for you to pay tax? Are you going to pay tax or not, Jesus? And he said, show me a coin. Whose superscriptions on it? And they said, Caesar's. He said, render under Caesar the things that be Caesar's. Yes, we pay taxes. But render unto, thing, render unto God the things that be God. So we won't offend. He tells Peter to go and take the first fish up and pay the taxes, the gold they found in the fish's mouth. And that's not the way he paid for the 12 disciples to go with him because there were three women that gave of their means, which was... Uh, uh, Mary Magdalene, of whom he cast out seven devils. Then there was Susanna and Joanna, the, the, the son of Cusid, which was a householder of Herod and Tiphys. But these, Jesus did that miracle there to show that it was in the fish's mouth, and that's where your gold is. It's a responsibility of the saints. It's our responsibility. He says, for this cause pay tribute also, for they are God's ministers attending continually upon this very thing. Somebody said, well, they don't serve God. Well, it's a government ordained of God. It didn't say that they're saved. It says the government is of God because of his sovereignty. All powers that be are ordained of God. So who that resists the power? Well, somebody said, well, they're evil. There's evil men. Well, if all subject to that higher power, if they even smite you own one cheek, turn the other also. Resist not the evil. God will repay. Vengeance is his, saith God. 
he will lift up a king and destroy him uh, there in his wrath. God will do these things. He puts over the nations the basis of source. He does according to his will. So we pray the will of God be done. And he goes on and says, that's the resisting power. That is only he that will let or restrain until he be taken out of the way the civil government. That is not the Holy Ghost. Then he goes on and says, Render therefore to all their due. Tribute to whom tribute is due. Render unto Caesar. Render unto the government your taxes. Render whatever the case is. Your civil government. Obey those powers, the governors, the rulers, the governors, whatever the case is. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. Honor to whom honor. Oh, no man, nothing but love, but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. We see Peter goes along with what Paul says in 1 Peter 2, verse 14, reading out of the, uh, the epistle of Peter. 1 Peter 2, verse 13. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, because that's what he said to the sovereign God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God. This is the will of God. And if we resist the power, we're resisting the ordinance of God. We're resisting the power that will be ordained of God. And those that resist the power will receive damnation. Now, it very, it's just straight, very straightforward. So he that restrains is the civil government, which that northern Antichrist came to the kingdom by flatteries with a small people, forecasting his advice and prosper, the king of the south coming against him. Then he finally rules and deceives the whole world. And then and only then does he rise to power. It's only after the governments are put down. It's only as the civil governments are put down does the Antichrist come then to rule and deceive all nations and causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark in their right uh, hand or in their forehead, which is the key says, sigma of the, Jesus Christ is not come of the flesh, 603 score and 6. The point being that we, the body of Christ are still here and are not pre-tribulation raptured out of this time of trouble, the great tribulation, where at that time will be the greatest witness of Jesus. Many witness, many mortars, sealing their testimony with their own blood, receiving a mortar's crown, to them that are accounted worthy of it. He says, it's the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be subject to your own masters. When you go to your workforce, you are an employee. Honor your employer, even with fear. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward, the perverse. Why? Because that's the will of God. For this is thankworthy 
If a man for conscience toward God, it's because you, you love God, you're leaving all judgment, all vengeance to him, all judgment to him, judge nothing before the time, you're honoring God, for conscience toward God, you endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Yes, wrongfully. Not going in there and trying to overthrow everything, but suffering wrongfully. Now, if you can be free, well, then use that the rather, Paul said. But whatever state you're in, honor God. And he said, for what glory is it? If when you're buffeted for your fault, you shall take it patiently. But when you do well and suffer for it, for doing that which is right, you take it patiently. This is acceptable with God. For even here and we you call, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. For as much as Christ has suffered in the flesh, be therefore likewise minded, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. What is it? The Lord is doing a strange work. Bringing to pass his act a strange act. Right now, it's taking their judgments are in the earth. We're seeing more of it. Ebola, HIV, COVID-19, more variants and more is coming. And it will increase. And it will intensify until the final consummation of all things, the battle of evil against the battle of good, and will end in Armageddon. And the Lord himself then, after the great tribulation, after all is done, then the Lord Jesus himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of their archangel and the trump of God with 10,000 of his saints, thousands of thousands. Then that body of Christ, the son of man, Jesus ahead and the body of Christ. He is, Jesus Christ is the ancient of days sitting upon that throne in Daniel 7. And the kingdom. He, the kingdom of God, all that are in the kingdom of God will be delivered up to the Father, to God himself, even the Father, that he may be all through all and in us all. That's when we inherit all things. So he that letteth will let or restrains will restrain till he be taken away is not the Holy Ghost. It is the civil government, the government of God here in the, not the, the celestial, but the terrestrial realm here on earth. All the powers that be ordained of God. So now we know we're coming close to the end of the age. We know that because evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse. But we are children of God. We resist not the evil. Literally knowing that God will never leave us nor forsake us. He's an ever-present help and he's always there. Well, if this has uh, spoken to your spirit as truth and you bear witness with it, we'd love to hear from you. We'd like to grow, literally uh, know them to labor among you, to be one with you. And we would love for you to contact us where we can know you, you can know us, and we can bind together in one in the unity of the faith. Write to me, Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906. Longview, Texas, zip code 75606. Or give me a call, cell phone number, or country code 1 plus. 
area code 903-746-4885. Now, I'm receiving many, many phone calls. Uh, there, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Uh, more phone calls now than I can possibly handle. So please, leave a message there if I, if I don't answer, and I will get back to you. You're very, very important as the body of Christ is coming together literally. Thousands of ministers all over the world are coming into the unity of the faith exactly as the Lord Jesus is gathering together into one, His body. To the edifying of itself in love, to the unity of the faith, and that in the knowledge of the Son of God. So again, my phone number is 1, area code uh, 903-746-4885. Or you can drop a message or a question to our websites, sealinggodspeople.org, sealinggodspeople.com, or dennisbeard.org. Well, thank you for your prayerful support and your generous offerings whereby we're able to keep the podcast coming to you over the air. Thank you, those that are downloading. We're, we're thanking God for you, praying for you, as we are in the last of the last days. The Lord Jesus bless you. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.